You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. In the early 1970s, my parents owned a Plymouth Fury Sports Suburban station wagon. And if the image of the Griswold family truckster from the National Lampoon's vacation movies are racing through your mind... I have to tell you, you're not too far off. You know, while they did exaggerate the features of that station wagon for the film, my parents' car really wasn't that much different. While I never had a deceased aunt Edna tied to the roof, our car really was similar in color and of that same monstrous size. Now, I have vague memories of my dad folding over the rear seat, dropping the tailgate down, and carrying full sheets of plywood and drywall with it. But then the other day, I began to wonder if I was remembering that correctly. You know, after all, think about it, a full sheet of plywood, that's fairly wide. Well, it only took a few minutes of searching to find the specs on that car. And sure enough, a full 48-inch wide, that's 1.22 meters wide, a full 48-inch wide sheet could fit right between the two rear tire wells. It turns out they were separated by 48.5 inches. In other words, this is just about a half an inch or 1.3 centimeters to spare. I really wasn't imagining things. But what that station wagon was really good for was vacations. You know, my dad always drove, my mom assumed the co-pilot position, and of course my brother and I, we were relegated to the rear seat. And one trip that I do remember taking was to Warner Brothers Jungle Habitat in West Milford, New Jersey. It was located just about an hour from our house and just coincidentally about an hour northwest of New York City. But I have to tell you, the park didn't last that long. It opened on July 19th of 1972 and closed on October 31st, 1976. So other than that four-year date range, I really couldn't tell you when we went there. But I do recall that I was very, very excited to go. You see, Jungle Habitat had a drive-through safari where the animals roamed free as the tourists drove their vehicles through the park. Jungle Habitat's TV commercials, they always showed wild animals hopping on the top of the cars, which was the main thing that I wanted to see. And I was kind of a quirky kid, so I really had no interest in meeting the park's life-size versions of Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd. So with my dad at the wheel of our Plymouth station wagon, We drove slowly through the park, and I just kept looking out the window, hoping that a baboon, a tiger, or best of all, a lion would hop on the top of our car. Well, sadly, it never happened. The whole excursion, all I remember about it was that it proved to be a big boar. But looking back, I guess I was too young to realize I should have packed lots of raw meat into a cooler. If I had done so, I could have quickly cranked down the window, you know, thrown some hunks of meat out of the car, 
and that certainly would have attracted a few of the carnivores to our vehicle. Of course, the downside of the idea is that I may have been eaten alive and therefore I'd be unable to tell you this story. But Jungle Habitat wasn't the first theme park in the United States to have a cageless zoo for tourists to travel through. That credit goes to Lion Country Safari, which opened in Florida in 1967 and it still operates there today. That location proved to be so successful that they soon opened a second location in Laguna Hills, California on June 16th of 1970, and that's the setting of today's wild story. What the owners of Lion Country Safari couldn't have anticipated when they built this park was that a decrepit old lion would soon bring in a record number of visitors. This is a lion who seemed to be a death's door at all times, yet he quickly became a national celebrity. In fact, he had his face plastered on just about everything, you know, from t-shirts to bumper stickers to beach towels and on and on. There were even two songs written about him, and one of them was recorded by a famous jazz singer. And even more incredibly, a feature-length movie was made of this lion's life. So today I present to you the incredible true story of Frasier, the sensuous lion. I am Steve Silverman, and this is the Useless Information Podcast. Useless Information So let's set the scene. A family drives up in the family truckster, and they're greeted by a large sign that reads, No trespassing. Violators will be eaten. Next comes a warning that they should never, ever, under any circumstance, roll down their windows, Wouldn't want to lose those arms, would we? And should they have been foolish enough to arrive in a convertible, you know, some animal can rip through that, they'd be ordered to park it and head on over to the Hertz hut to rent an air-conditioned safari vehicle. And since the park didn't want the family's pet to become some lion's lunch, the park offered free accommodations for Fido at the Calcan Kennel Club. Of course, if you're going to go to a theme park named Lion Country Safari... The visitors, they are most curious to see the lions, and they had no shortage of them. They had nearly 100. But shortly after the park opened, veterinarians there, they were faced with a bit of a problem. You see, 11 young, healthy lionesses had been delivered to the safari, but the staff had been unable to introduce a dominant male to establish a pride. In their first attempt, they introduced a young, fit male that the vets hoped would take over as head of the family. But they were wrong. They were so, so wrong. As one warden later described, quote, The next morning we found him beaten and rejected. In fact, we had to rescue him from the outraged ladies. Oh well, back to the drawing board. So the next night they introduced a second male and he was also viciously attacked. And the same thing happened the next night and the next. In total, five different males were rejected by the lionesses. Then, as kind of a joke, someone suggested Frazier. He was everything that the lead of a prize shouldn't be. You see, just three years earlier, Frazier had been part of a bankrupt Mexican circus. This not only left Frazier jobless, but also half-starved and extremely ill. That's when Bill York, the chief warden at Lion Country Safari, decided to bring Frazier to Lion Country, you know, to live out his sunset years. 
Jerry Coburn, who was the vice president of the preserve, would later state, quote, Our zoologist will tell you that we picked him up out of compassion. He was practically DOA when we got him. And that's really not an exaggeration. First of all, Frazier was old. And when I say old, I mean very old. His age was estimated to be somewhere between 17 and 20 years. And that meant he had lived at least five years longer than the average lion. When Lion Country first received Frazier, he was in really, really bad shape. He was severely underweight. He had an injured leg and battered ears. He was nearly toothless, rheumatic, and he wobbled as he walked. The May 5th, 1972 edition of Life magazine adds, quote, His fur resembles an old mothball coat and he sleeps 19 hours a day. The muscles in his tongue are so shot that it unreels from his mouth like a slobbery red carpet. But the staff at Lion Country were able to save Fraser's life. Through a special diet, injections of vitamins several times a day, and of course attentive care, Fraser put on an estimated 100 pounds or 45.4 kilograms. But no matter what, he was still old and decrepit. So the thought of introducing Fraser to these 11 vicious females, it just seemed ludicrous. But as Jerry Coburn pointed out, quote, he was literally our last resort. Well, the reality was that no one ever expected Fraser to survive that night. He was almost certain to be mauled to death. Yet surprisingly, that wasn't what happened. The next morning, Fraser was found sleeping on his back, his paws folded over, as if he were incredibly content. He was surrounded by the females, you know, some of them licking their paws and others napping. A zookeeper described what happened next, quote, When we threw them their daily supply of meat, one of them took the first piece to Fraser. None of the females ate until Fraser was finished. Then, a few days later, the staff noticed that whenever Fraser desired to go for a walk, two of the females would walk on either side of him and guide him along. And not only that, but Fraser proved to be a real tiger. He didn't have just one wife, he had seven. And soon each of these females, they were pregnant. By Wednesday, February 23rd of 1972, that's less than a year and a half after he'd been introduced to the ladies, Frazier had fathered a total of 31 cubs, and believe it or not, there was still more on the way. A compound warden said, quote, Shucks, it takes an ordinary male lion 18 months to father maybe only 12 cubs, if he has two or three good wives. He added, Visitors used to complain bitterly and demand that we treat him better. Little did they or we know about Frazier. If only they could have known how much Frazier was enjoying himself. <laughs> UPI, that's the United Press International, they ran a story about Frazier on January 26th of 1972, and it wasn't long before the entire nation knew about his incredible success with the ladies. Quote, Bouquet of roses to Frazier, the virile lion who demolished the legend that a 75-year-old male cannot satisfy the ladies wrote Los Angeles resident James W. Mitchell in a letter to the editor of the Los Angeles Times on March 4th of 1972. Anita Cohn of North Hollywood also wrote, quote, I want to join Frazier's fan club. Where do I get a t-shirt? Thank you for brightening my day. 
The story of the old battered cat was a delight and a huge lift to the ego of the more mature folks. She continued, Hats off to all the young lionesses who are intelligent, discriminating, and perceptive enough to know what stuff Fraser is really made of. And then M.H. Harold, also of North Hollywood, Penn, quote, So long as we have old Fraser around to break the daily routine of war, crime, politics, and just plain living, what a wonderful place this whole world is after all. And as one would expect, Lion Country took full advantage of this free publicity. It was Coburn who first coined him Frasier, the sensuous lion, and, of course, the company used it in all of their promotions. For example, the following advertisement appeared on page 11 of the following day's Los Angeles Times. It reads in part, quote, With increasing pride, the lion country presents Frasier, the sensuous lion. It continues, Frasier's normal lifespan should have ended some five years ago. Instead, in recent weeks, he has become an international celebrity, acclaimed in media and lionized by the nation's senior citizenry for his inspirational procreative prowess. And of course, there was the obligatory picture, and it says, happily posing above with some of the 33 progeny he has sired in the past 16 months, Frazier and his seven wives can be admired daily at Lion Country Safari in Laguna Hills, Orange County. Be sure to ask one of the attendants, not Fraser himself, for a pautograph of this marvel of mammalia. And just how much would a visit to see Fraser set you back? Well, an adult ticket back then was $3.25, which is about $23 today. If you're a child between the ages of 5 and 11, it costs $1.50, which is about $10.75 today. And if you happen to be a child under five, you got in for free. I must admit, compared to the prices of today's theme parks, I think that was actually a pretty good deal. But LA Times columnist John Hall warned that should one happen to spot Frazier, you may be sorely disappointed. <laughs> you see, when Hall visited the park, he found Frazier, quote, asleep on his back, his paws dangling in the sky. He added, a ranger in a jeep tossed meat hunks. Fraser's eyes popped open. He yawned and struggled to his feet. His favorite wives of the moment walked on each side, holding him up. He leaned over the meat and missed his tongue lolling in the dirt six inches off target. That's about 15 and a quarter centimeters. He didn't care. He just went back to sleep. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Without a doubt, Frazier become a hero to the Geritol set. So you have to wonder, could the secret of his success be whatever was in those vitamin shots? People wanted to know. So here are the ingredients of that magical formula, although I will tell you they never reveal what the exact recipe was. All you have to do is mix up vitamins A, B1, B2, B5, B6, B8, B12, C, D2, D3, and E, along with niacin, methionine, which is an amino acid, chloride, cobalt, manganese, iron, copper, phosphorus, calcium, and 
salt. But be warned, this supplement was prepared specifically for Fraser. That means not humans. And his keepers pointed out that it only worked when combined with the remainder of his diet. That consisted of 12 pounds or 5.4 kilograms of raw meat every single day. And that was made up of seven parts horse meat, two parts chicken, and one part beef. A park spokesman added, quote, If you decide to try it, be sure to use the entire chicken, bones, feathers, and all. Yummy. As you can imagine, Fraser's popularity had just continued to soar. The Los Angeles Times announced on March 24th of 1972 that two of Fraser's cubs were being auctioned off as part of a fundraiser for KCET Television, which at that time was a charter member of PBS. I mean, can you imagine? Not only would these cubs eat you out of house and home, they would literally eat you. Well, the next day, the paper ran a correction. You see, one wasn't bidding to physically own one of the cubs. Instead, if you won, you got the privilege of naming one of the cubs. Big difference. In April, California Assemblyman John P. Quimby honored Fraser with a resolution that read, in part, quote, Whereas Harry Schuster, president of Lion Country Safari, and the veterinarians and the zoologists at his wildlife preserve extended a humanitarian hand to old Fraser the sensuous lion when he was jobless, sick, and starved, and whereas Fraser has given new hope and stimulus to all animals, including humans who grow to be octogenarians, and whereas his monumental record of performance as both husband and father is deserving of a nomination of California's Animal Father of the Year. That proclamation was followed by Representative John G. Smith standing before the United States House of Representatives on Wednesday, May 17, 1972, and declaring, quote, Mr. Speaker, at a time when there is nothing in the news but reports of mayhem, murder, hate, and greed, I would like to call your attention to the story of an aging lion who lives in the well-known Lion Country Safari in my district, who has captivated the hearts of people from coast to coast. And this was then followed by a lengthy humorous article titled, There's No Lion Like Fraser," and it was written by the appropriately named Stan Leopard, and it appeared in two parts beginning on March 26, 1972, in the Long Beach Press-Telegram. In that article, Pat Quinn, who was the park's zoological director, he told Leopard, quote, Animals like people have individual traits, and Fraser has outstanding ones. He is good-natured, patient, and even-tempered to an astonishing degree. You'll see him lying out there with the cubs tumbling over him, pulling at his ears and stepping on his ears and stepping on his face. Younger male lions would be likely to bat the cubs a good one when they get this playful, but Fraser just nuzzles at them and yawns. Quinn added, He's been officially recorded as breeding 22 times in an hour and a half, by the way. Wow. Fraser proved to be so popular that fan clubs, they sprung up across the nation. There were cat food manufacturers who sought to use Fraser in their television commercials. And there was even an Ohio basketball team that changed its name to the Fraser Lions. Now, around that same time, Stanford University had retired its Indian mascot, and that was over concerns of it being an ethnic slur. And they were seriously considering making Fraser their new mascot. So, side note, they still don't have an official mascot to this day. 
unofficially, it's the Stanford tree. And Frazier was honored with not one, but two songs written about him. The first was The Ballad of Frazier the Sensuous Lion, which was recorded by Jack Harrell. Now, the lyrics of that song were written by Lion Country's President Harry Schuster and their VP Jerry Copran, and that probably explains why it was never a hit. But there was also the story of Frazier the Sensuous Lion, and that was penned by Johnny Mercer and Jimmy Rowles. That particular one was recorded by the legendary Sarah Vaughn. And I have to tell you, I actually like the live version of that, so I'll put a link to that on my website. As one would expect, there were Frasier t-shirts, buttons, bumper stickers, and really just about anything else you could plaster his image on. For example, when two of Frasier's offspring, that's Super Stuff and Tiny, when they were scheduled to make an appearance at the J.C. Penney store in the City Shopping Center in Orange, California on June 17th of 1972, they ran a full-page advertisement in the Los Angeles Times listing every Frasier item that they were selling. You could get a men's tie with Frazier's image on it for 5 bucks, which is about $36 today. A wristwatch, quote, with Frazier's grinning face on the dial for $15.95. Adjusted for inflation, that's $115 today. A Frazier beach towel would set you back $6, around $43 today. Or you can get a Frazier bike bag for $3.50, which is about $25 today. On July 5th of 1972, it was announced that the members of the Frasier the Sensuous Lion fan clubs, this is a nationwide organization, they had selected 12 nominees for the title of America's Most Sensuous Man. They were radio personality Bill Balance, talk show host and creator of Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy game shows Merv Griffin, crooners Dean Martin and Rudy Valley, Tonight Show band leader Doc Severinsen, Actors Kirk Douglas, Ricardo Montalban, Paul Newman, Burt Reynolds, and Cesar Romero. Comedian Flip Wilson. And my favorite of them all, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. According to Mrs. Marilyn Arcoli, who is the president of this nationwide organization, these men have been chosen, quote, for their sheer sensuality and animal magnetism, regardless of age. Now, whoever was chosen the winner, they'd be awarded the Golden Frasier, which, of course, is a trophy sculpted in his likeness. Personally, I'm putting my money on Henry Kissinger. So, just who won? Well, honestly, I can't tell you. But my hunch is that that prize was never, ever awarded, and that's because it was revealed one week later that Frasier was seriously ill with possible kidney malfunction. Dr. William Y. Higgins, uh, the resident veterinarian at the safari, said, quote, everything that can be done for this remarkable animal is being done. During the evening of Wednesday, July 12th of 1972, Frazier came out of his coma for a brief period and he took a feeble swipe at Dr. Higgins. He then fell into a deep sleep and he never awoke. Sadly, he passed away the following morning. The LA Times ran a story on Friday, July 14th in 1972 announcing Frazier's passing. It was kind of like an obituary. In that article, Bill Dredge, who was Lion Country's Vice President of Administration, he told a reporter, quote, He gained dominance in his own way. He did it without fighting his competitors. He did it by sheer weight of personality, character, and love, and the females automatically respected him. Now this article concludes, quote, 
Frazier's survivors, in addition to Jonah and 34 other cubs, include his wives, Nadula, Stompy, Lefty, Zona, Sally, Linda, and Pacer. Harry Schuster, who again is the president of the safari, he declared that all four of the organization's parks, that included those in Texas and Georgia that I haven't mentioned before, they would have Frazier replicas installed along with donation boxes. The newly established Frazier Foundation, it would receive all the cash donations plus 10% of all Frazier merchandise sales revenue. Those funds would then be distributed to animal welfare organizations across the nation. An autopsy determined that Frazier died from pneumonia, not from the kidney failure as originally thought. In fact, Dr. Anthony W. Orlandella, who's a spokesman for the pathology team, he said, quote, Frazier had beautiful organs. His prostate, kidneys, liver, heart, and cardiovascular system were perfectly healthy. Dr. Robert A. Orlando, who's an associate professor at UC Irvine, he added, quote, it was a case of preservation of the internal organs rather than deterioration. Externally, Frazier wasn't much to look at, but internally, well, he was just remarkable. At the time, I only felt a punch. I think everything went wrong. His drug of choice was heroin. Binging and purging over and over and over. Evaluate you, and if you're okay to go, they're going to let you go. This is Justin, and I do the Peripheral Podcast. I have a true crime background, but when telling the stories of true crime, sometimes you have to gloss over topics like mental illness, drug addiction, sexual assault. And I feel like we do that in life, too. So this podcast is my attempt to bring all of these topics that are on the peripheral into the mainstream. So please join me wherever you listen to podcasts. And then it was time for Frazier's funeral. Scores of people lined up along the roadside that Saturday as a large wooden box containing Frazier's body was carried up a sun-scorched, dusty hillside to his final resting spot. As an official mascot of the Scottish clan, Frazier, bagpipes played as clansmen donning kilts to drop fistfuls of dirt over his grave. And then after the speeches concluded and the ceremony came to an end, a six-foot-tall white cross was erected to mark the spot. And this led to a letter that was published on Thursday, July 20th, 1972, in the L.A. Times. It was written by R.W. Weinshanker of uh, Beverly Hills. Quote, I read with interest that Fraser, the sensuous lion, was buried in a grave marked by a simple white cross. I would like to know who the individual is that ascertained old Fraser's religious preference. Isn't it possible the grave should have been marked by a star David or whatever markings are used by the Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, etc. faiths? Or perhaps no marking at all if Fraser was, God forbid, an atheist. Of all the markings, it would seem to me the least likely would be the cross, considering the historical appetite of lions for Christians and their diet. After his passing, some members of the public expressed concern as to whether the females would miss Fraser. Once again, Pat Quinn assured them that this is not the case. Quote, It is a mistake to attribute human characteristics to animals. He added, We haven't noticed any behavior changes. Still, there is a void to be filled, and Jonah will probably fit into that particular niche. It is a very tight social structure and a pride. Yet the decision was made to introduce a new male to the pride. 
He was Rufus, and the park obtained him from the Kansas City Municipal Zoo. Rufus was about five years younger than Frazier, so the big question was whether or not the females would accept him, or would they rip him to shreds like the other ones? Well, they did, and a new king was crowned. Frazier had barely been in the ground one week when it was announced that a film titled, what else, Frazier the Sensuous Lion would be made. It was the brainchild of Park President Harry Schuster and would be written by Park VP Jerry Coburn and produced by Alan Sandler. As you can probably guess, it was destined to be a classic. Filming was done at Lion Country Safari in California with a lion named Shrews playing the part of Frazier. And while Shrews is about half the age of Frazier, he was chosen for the part for only one reason, and that is that his tongue also lolled out of his mouth. When the film finally premiered, Los Angeles Times writer Kevin Thomas offered up his review. It reads in part, quote, Unfortunately, Frazier the Sensuous Lion is a tedious amateur's bore that was all too obviously made with a single intent of turning a fast buck. He continues, Closer to Francis the Talking Mule than Fritz the Cat, the film stars Michael Callan as a virginal 34-year-old professor of zoology who discovers that Fraser can speak and therefore give him advice that will liberate him from his possessive mother. Luckily for Callan, Lion Club Safari's publicist, as Catherine Justice, is pretty unattached and attracted to him. Romance, however, must be momentarily sidetracked because some mysterious tycoon is threatening to kidnap Fraser if Callan fails to learn from the old lion the secret of his virility. All this is as silly as it sounds and unfolds at such a snail's pace, the film's 90 minutes seem twice that. Considering how dire are the circumstances, it's actually amazing that Callan and Miss Justice register as effectively as they do. It should come as no surprise that the movie was a bomb. After Frazier's passing, Lion Country Safari struggled to come up with anything that could draw as many visitors to the park as that Don Juan of Lyondom did. For example, an ad from July 28, 1972 read, quote, The fabulous Brady Bunch kids and Ambie Davis on ABC hit TV series The Brady Bunch will be special guests in the entertainment area at Lion Country Safari Saturday afternoon. Besides personally autographed photos, you may be a lucky winner and have your picture taken with one of Frazier's cubs. Well, apparently the Brady Bunch, they just weren't as popular as Frazier was. Attendance of the park, it began to go downhill. It dropped from a high of 1.4 million visitors at the peak of Frazier mania all the way down to 600,000 in 1981. Unfortunately, the park would close in 1984. Today, of all the Lion Country safaris there were, only the one in Florida remains open. The former site of the Laguna Hills Lion Country Safari is now home to the Los Olivos apartment village. If you were to stand near the intersection of Pintado and Dina there, you would see a historical marker that is inscribed, quote, From 1970 to 1984, Lion Country Safari made it possible for children of all ages to experience the sights and sounds of an African safari, entirely from the safety and comfort of their cars. It was Southern California's first ever wild animal park. Millions of Americans and visitors from around the world came here for the unique opportunity to observe free-roaming lions 
hippopotami, elephants, giraffes, and other wild animals. One of the park's most famous residents was Fraser, a former circus lion who died in 1972. The lone oak tree on the hillside across the San Diego Creek is no ordinary tree. It is Fraser's tree, named in honor of the beloved lion and his important role in helping so many humans gain a better understanding of and respect for the Earth's marvelous wild inhabitants. So the question is, is that the exact site of Fraser's burial? Well, believe it or not, no one's exactly sure since that giant cross was lost in a fire many years ago. Yet we can be sure of one thing. That is near the village, the peaceful village, the lion sleeps tonight. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. I must admit, I really enjoyed researching and telling that story about Fraser. It's really just a nice story. So what I'll do is I'll post a Google map on my website, and it'll have the exact location of that historical marker. Uh, so make sure you check it out. Now, if you're interested, there are sellers online hawking Fraser t-shirts and stickers, although I do believe they're reproductions. I did come across a couple of authentic Fraser souvenirs on eBay, but almost everything else is a reproduction. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode or this podcast in general, I'd greatly appreciate if you could share it with someone, you know, whether that be through Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, or by simply speaking to someone. I know not many people do that anymore. Of course, that does help to grow my audience, so be assured that I really do appreciate any effort you put in to uh, do so. Just to remind you, you can find the Useless Information Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, so make sure you subscribe, and of course, you'll be among the first to know a new episode has been posted. The Useless Information Podcast is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, so be sure to visit airwavemedia.com where you'll find a curated selection of some of the best podcasts in not only history, but also in science, wellness, education, and the arts. Anyway, thanks as always. Uh, take care, everyone. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.